When it comes to your investments and retirement, in this economy, it's important to be smart. And with the Smart Investor Hour heard right here on AM 1420 The Answer, you'll get both smart and intelligent information you'll need to help with your investing. So sit back, listen, and learn with your host of the Smart Investor Hour, Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management. Good afternoon, everybody. Kind of a dreary Memorial Day weekend. It was freezing out there. I was walking my dogs this morning, and I wanted to wear gloves. Anyway, let's start off thinking positive. I think Buddha said it best. There is no wealth like knowledge and no poverty like ignorance. Einstein threw a couple other things in there. He said, information is not knowledge. The most successful person was the one with the best knowledge. And then from Persia, I I don't know who wrote this, but it's an old Persian proverb. The man who knows not, but knows not that he knows not, is a fool. Shun him. The man who knows not and knows that he knows not is a student. Teach him. The man who knows but knows not that he knows is asleep. Awaken him. The man who knows and knows that he knows is a teacher. Learn from him. (laughs) There we go. Listen, if you uh, want to get any of the information we talk about, we talk about our dividend growth portfolio, our prime income list, our ADR list, which, you know, we're going to talk about upgrading the, the foreign markets. Our prime income list, uh, top ideas, whether they're small cap, uh, multi-cap, et cetera, uh, they're all here. You can also get our Savvy Investi- Investors Credit Workbook. I think, uh, you know, the way I'm going to talk about interest rates a little bit here today, and I'm a little worried. Women and Wealth, which is a planning workbook. Uh, Money Matters for Young Professionals, by the way, and a Business Owner's Guide to Transition. So we have those all available. If you go to WHK1420's webpage, our, our uh, sponsor here, shall we say, uh, and go to local podcast, down to Tim Hayes and Smart Investor Show, you can go right directly to my webpage from there, and there's a lot of good stuff. And, uh, uh, you know, <laughs> I was uh, thinking this week, well, well first of all, it's Memorial Day, so I got to talk a little bit about uh, all the people, the reason we're here. All right, and um, I I went to the tenth stage before COVID hit, and I saw Kim Ritchie, who has a great song called "Wild Horses." I highly recommend it that you go to uh, whatever thing you're downloading your music from and then listen to her. But there was uh, she was on stage with Radney Foster, and I actually bought his book. He has a series of short stories. But he's written a lot of songs for uh, country and western stars, and he has a song now called "Angel Flight." It's about the guys that fly our heroes home, and I, I immediately had to learn it. <laughs> you may know I play guitar, uh, not great. I just like to play, uh, so I immediately went home and learned it. And uh, it's a great song. It it should be plastered all over the uh uh radio this time of year okay so anyway on a lighter subject we always talk about the backyard barbecue bullish percent indicator (laughs) memorial weekend is upon us and you know it it kind of is the start of summer shall we say and we have the you know uh, in the winter we have the cocktail party bullish percent and in the summer we have the backyard barbecue bullish percent 
And basically what it is, is uh, it just tells you where we are in the bullish percent indicator. So the event is your best friend and neighbor have a barbecue, which you are not invited. The market's at a bottom. A friend invites you to a barbecue. However, when the other guests see you, they move over to the other side of the yard. Uh, the market is basing and will rally shortly. <laughs> and uh, you are attending a barbecue. You know, this is me, by the way. And people who know you come over to ask how the market closed today and what you think they should buy. The market is on a major upswing, just moved into bull confirmed status. You are attending a backyard barbecue. When people hear you, your investment advisor, they come over and introduce themselves and discuss the market. The market has had a huge rally and is now receiving good group rotation. The bullish percent is rising near the 70 level. A client invites you to, your, to a backyard barbecue when you enter the event. He asks everyone to be quiet for a moment, so he introduced you as his investment advisor. The market is near a top. <laughs> your best friend invites you to a barbecue dinner in your honor. The market has reached the top and is heading south. Okay, there we go. So uh, <laughs> we like to have a little fun. Anyway, this is a live show, so if you have any questions, the number here is 216-901-0945. That's 216-901-0945. And, um, you know, the first quarter of this year saw more than $3.7 billion invested globally into cybersecurity, outpacing the $2.3 billion for the first quarter last year. If this level of investment continues, the industry would shatter last year's record of $7.8 billion. So if you're wondering why two years ago or three years ago, I talked about you have to get this software report. <laughs> this is why, okay? Investors put $72.7 billion into seed through technology growth stage rounds for North American startups in the first quarter of this year. That's double year ago totals, by the way. And online great, uh, grocery sales grew 54% in 2020 to reach $95 billion. And they propelled it to a 12% share of the market. It's pretty amazing, isn't it? So a uh, couple of things. I had a, a question from Carl. And Carl called me in 2016 when I was promoting, I was talking about the financials. And I said, uh, you know, they're really, really cheap. And I bought a few. I didn't buy them for everybody. I bought them for dividend people, okay? People that were in the growth stage, I didn't buy them for it. I bought them because they, they were allowed to start to, pay dividends then and um you know they weren't allowed to pay dividends from the financial crisis on anyway uh they've done great i mean jp morgan was 52 then it's now 165 right so big big moves in these things so carl called me and asked me this week and uh this is, i told him this is his last question because <laughs> he keeps calling me uh, and you can call me i i talk to people uh, he says what is the cheapest area in the market and I'm suggesting it's healthcare. Pfizer came out right with BioNTech with a vaccine for something in 10 months, and it hasn't gone anywhere. Merck has one of the greatest cancer drugs of all time, and it's gone nowhere, right? Eli Lilly's made a move. Medtronic's made a bit of a move, but most of the procedures, you got to understand, have been put, pushed back because of COVID. The other area is biotechnology, which is part of healthcare. I bet you there's four or 500 companies with life-saving technology under five bucks right now. All right. So, Carl, there's the answer to my question. Um, so, where do we go from here? Um, you know, I, 
I'm looking at the bond market, and I'm looking at the 10-year yield chart now. Not the bond, but the yield. And it's not going up, and it's not going down, which means it's basing. So as of today, you know, I'm looking at this chart today. So will there be another inflation test? Look, the Fed's preferred inflation gauge is the core PCE. It's seen jumping 2.9% for April this last week. The highest reading since the mid-90s. It's well understood by now that much of the gain will simply be due to base effects compared to last, you know, last year, okay? But a hotter-than-expected CPI report on May 12th was the last data point that notably pushed yields higher. So it's it'll be interesting to see uh, if you look at the core inflation, you know, it's a big spike, okay? Big, big spike. So what will happen from here? I don't know, but we, we will probably uh, find out the hard way. Now, look, I, I, I checked in with uh, Lori Calvestina, who's our head strategist, and very good. She's on CNBC all the time. She's very succinct. She's very to the point. And she thinks uh, there's four or five things that will be drivers of the market, okay? Uh, and they are U.S. versus non-U.S., okay, versus value. Uh, which sectors of the S&P 500 will do well, the Russell 1000 industries and the Russell 2000 uh, small caps. Okay, if, I don't know if you know this, but micro caps are, have led the way for the last two weeks. So, so what she said was basically slipping sentiment and peaking indicators may contribute to a pullback, but the longer term outlook remains constructive. Now, I'm going to go over stuff in the second uh, part where I look, I read a lot of newsletters this weekend and, you know, did my own homework and, uh, look, I think there's a lot of positive things. We see deals, cash deployment, the economy's in good shape. There's, you know, policies getting a little overheated, maybe, but uh, retail money flows are positive. You know, since last year, there's been a million new accounts, retail accounts opened. All right. Now, some of those people are doing it on their own, and I think that's great. But uh, you, you know, I'll just say this: one of the things that you have to t- be um, aware of is when everybody jumps in, you're getting closer to the end. Now, everybody jumped in because they they were staying at home. We'll see what happens. But look, she stays. She's kind of neutral on U.S. equities. Uh, she has been for the last couple of months uh, relative to non-U.S. equities, and I'm going to talk about that in a second. Uh, and she, in the longer-term picture, she sticks with a small cap over large cap. Okay, so uh, just you know, some thoughts on her part. Now, I, I thought it was interesting. Uh, you know, the guy that used to be our head strategist was Jonathan Gollum, and he's now over at uh, Credit Suisse. And he talks about the ESG stocks, the environmental, so, uh, social, and governance stocks, which are so popular these days, and how they basically got beat up. All right. The solar stocks, the, you know, and by the way, when things are down, that's when you should be looking to buy. So it's the more they base, the better. But he said a lot of these things are out of sync with the reopening economy. So he's seen um, different types of groups start to pick up that are in the ESG area that aren't considered really ESG by most people. And I got a list of those names. I'm not going to uh, go into it, but uh, look, I think that, you know if you look at the solar stocks, the average solar stocks down almost 30, 40 percent. Okay, the EV stocks are down big. All right, so there's a lot of these names. Uh, it's electronic vehicle, by the way, or electric vehicle. Uh, 
so a lot of these things are getting beaten up. Uh, and the SPACs, which you know had a lot of social consciousness in them, also got killed. And I kind of warned you that that was a craze that uh, occurred a couple of times. So I think you got to be careful what you're thinking about. All right. All right. Anyway, uh, we we have a great report on global mining trends and mining shares were mixed uh, because China announced price controls on industrial metals. Price controls didn't work in the U.S. when Mr. Nixon tried them, uh, so it'll be interesting. So, so maybe China's trying to, you know, pr- press the pause button, whatever. But I think base metals copper was down five percent uh, after a hundred percent, the two hundred percent run, almost one hundred and twenty percent run. I'm sorry. Uh, and bulk commodities, iron ore was down 14%, uh, but that's not unusual. You know, it's a big mover. But he said key ESG issues uh, facing the copper miners that underpin the green energy transition. Look, all the things that are involved, solar, electronic vehicles or electric vehicles, all that good stuff, they take copper. All right. Uh, so it's something to think about. Now, look, I, I, I think that... Uh, you know, we have some ideas in the in the mining sector that look pretty good, and I'll just leave it at that. Okay, so we'll, we'll keep keep it going. Uh, now, also, we have a new analyst, uh, Brad Erickson, uh, that comes with very high high rate rankings. Took over from Mark Mahaney, uh, and he's he, he's got a new report out. It's called "The Internet: Those Who Can Do," and he you know he's talking about. Several themes. Number one, he's talking about the dominant user engagement and the bottom or down funnel execution is critical. And I'm gonna, I'll explain that in a second. Funnel migration is pervasive in the space. And he's talking about automotive, retail, real estate, home, local services, advertising, et cetera. And then he talked about me- megatech can't get very vertical. You know, they have to stay at the top. And it's an inability to date to access supply and data in the markets in those fields. Okay. So Look, I think what you have, and by the way, he also says those who can do, those who can't advertise, <laughs> which is pretty true. And he, he talks about a list of, uh, you know, stocks that he likes, which, you know, you have to read the report for it. But the, his funnel theory is the top of the funnel is the discovery phase. And the objective is to be huge. Nothing else matters. And then the mid funnel, can the user take what they've learned off the platform? like research, price, comparison, shopping, you know, that type of thing, uh, and use it. And then the bottom of the funnel is conversion when you've locked in the client. Uh, and that equals the modernization, or the monetization and the data phase. All right? So really good stuff, uh, and, and it's a great report. Highly recommend it. You know, uh, in Ohio, we started something, and it's picking up, and it, it's kind of neat. It's the... Vax a million drive increases vaccinations, uh, vaccinations all across the state. State and uh, it was a great piece by Tom Lee at Funstrat, and he talked about this on TV, by the way, and how the vaccine is actually pushing people to get vaccinated. <laughs> so it's it's a it's a positive surprise, and by the way, it pushes his epicenter and energy thought process that he talked about at the beginning of the year, which is working. Big time, okay. So something to think about, and uh, you know, I, I think you, you, you know, when, when you're using your head, uh, that's how you make money. You know, the financial markets uh, hit some rumple strips this week, and I think you got to start to look at some key levels. Uh, 
you know, May remains volatile as the S&P meanders across its uptrend channel. And, you know, it kind of breaks out, but it's still in a sideways pattern. And it's, you know, its first support is somewhere between 3,980 and 4,000, I think. The the 10-year yields have are still range-bound despite the inflation concerns. They're 153 to 170. And what is gold indicating about inflation? It's, it's broken its downtrend line. Now it's broken 1,900. Let's see what happens. You can read this if you go to my webpage on WHK1420, go to local podcast down to Tim Hayes, go to Trend and Cycle on my webpage, and uh, I think you'll find that it, Bob, Rob Schleimer is now on there. So we, we had to replace Bob Dickey because he retired. It was great to listen to. Anyway, stay tuned. We'll be right back. Okay, we're back. I'm freezing up here, just so you know. <laughs> anyway, um, by the way, I'm supposed to say this again. It's a live show, so you got a question. It's 216. Uh, I have to look it up. <laughs> I forgot it. 9010945. 216-901-0945. Anyway, um, I had some questions about the capital gains tax and, and, and how sh- concerned should we be. And when we got the capital gains tax up to 40% in 1975, the market was got whacked pretty hard. And then when it came down, the market went up for years. So I, I think, you know, that's the only real correlation I can see. It's been the, it's been volatile with an average of about 23%, ranging uh, approximately 13 to 40% over a, a century. Now, 40%, the market didn't do too well. But, uh, well, we expected a negative correlation between capital gains and tax rates and stock valuation. It's really been historically weak at a negative 21%. And this comes from our friends at the Alger Fund. And uh, I knew Dave Alger pretty well. He's one of the great gentlemen in our business. And uh, by the way, just, you know, I think one of the first planes went right through his office uh, in 9-11. But these guys are pretty smart people. So, I, I think only when we get above a certain level on capital gains do uh, it doesn't really affect the market. Um, it 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 affected in, in the 70s. Uh, you know they got kind of crazy with the capital gains. They got up to you know Carter got it up to 40 percent, and uh, the rest was history. But that's the only time really we've had a problem. Even when we got it up into you know into the the 23 24 percent back in the 1995 area, the market still went up. So uh, we'll see what what happens there. Um, now, um, a couple things. Number one, <laughs> the Mimi stocks are back, you know, and they're cooking the shorts again, which uh, is a problem. But I, I had several questions from people, and look, I looked at some charts, and you know, I look at the bullish percent, you know, it's in a column of O's, and and I, I look at things, and I'm saying to myself, you know, what's going on here, and. Uh, you know, if if I look at the New York Stock Exchange, and I'm uh, I'm looking at the big big picture, okay, uh, what they call the value line geometric average, it blew out to the upside this week, right? So that's a big positive. Then I look at the S and P 500, and I get uh, another very bullish signal. Um, you know, I don't know if you guys uh, follow this, but it's a KST signal, and uh, you know, it's 
it's, it's a very positive, you know, turn up and it's, uh, you know, it's one of those things where you have to pay pretty close attention to. So that's another positive thing that I'm seeing. And, uh, uh then I have, uh, you know, a couple other things that I look at where we see, you know, we, we look at the, the New York stock exchange index or the S and P composites, and they seem to be struggling, but the advanced decline lines look fine. Okay. I matter of fact, if you look at the New York stock exchange advanced decline line, his new high this week. So that's positive. And, you know, then I have, I look at the, um, you know, the New York stock exchange index again, and um, I, I'm looking at the composite index now and uh, you know, I see it's struggling and, you know, in 1600 or 16,000 is key, but I'm also seeing uh, an indicator that, you know, is the stocks above the 50 day moving average that looks kind of shaky. So, you know, we're, we're getting, we're getting things that, uh, uh, you know, a little bit, a little bit of both, you know, and then if I look at the inverted VIX, you know, we're right about where we look like we're going higher. So, uh, you know, there's a lot of things uh, back and forth that we're seeing that uh, don't make a whole lot of sense. So we'll just <laughs> just leave it at that, I guess. Um, and, you know, so I looked at three other key lines and, and I'll call it, you know, some charts that I follow very closely myself. And, you know, I look at, you know, let's take Apple because that's kind of an indicator. And I got this huge triangle pattern forming. And I, I also could say it's a base forming. So it looks like it's bullish. Don't know. Tesla has a flat bottom, several flat bottoms and a declining top, which can be bullish also. And then I look at, uh, you know, a couple of the other fangs. And there's one fang that looks extremely bullish. So, you know, there's some things going on. Now, the other thing I'm, I'm noticing is, all you guys, you know, I, I talked to some bunch of guys out at Ford a couple of years ago uh, at the plant out there, and uh, looks like the, they're revving up the engines in the car industry, right? So electric vehicles are now a, a, a growth, you know, scenario. Now, the other thing, I, I, I've had a lot of questions about uh, pot stocks or cannabis stocks, and look, the one problem I have with cannabis is that, um, you know, you can grow it in your basement if you want to, okay? But uh, I will say this. The cannabis stocks now have got killed. I mean, they went straight up, and they got killed. And they got nice bases on them. And they're not going down anymore. So that's something you should pay attention to, too. And um, I, I guess, uh, you know, <laughs> um, I'm not sure if, uh, you know, a lot of my clients like the cannabis thing, but some of them do. Now, the other area that I think is kind of interesting, and, you know, and, and it's kind of the, you know, it, if it if it works, it's going to be huge. And Tom Lee, who's a very smart man over at uh, Fundstrat, has been talking about oil stocks. And crude oil looks like it's either, you know, uh, you know, I can make a case for it imploding, and I can make a case for it taking off. And, uh you know, gasoline stocks, uh, barrels of supply are down on a weekly basis, uh, and gasoline demand is up pretty drastically. So it'll be interesting to see, uh, 
you know, how, how that works out. All right. So we'll take it from there. Uh, now, I uh, was listening to Bob Schleimer this week and, you know, Bob is a pretty smart guy and he has, uh, is, you know, as far as I'm concerned, a lot going for us all. Uh, you know, he's, he's had some very smart uh, uh, calls in the last couple of years. And I think that, you know, one of the things he talks about is looking at the long run. And I think that's very, very important. And one of the things that he's been talking about is that the industrials are slowing as the techs are rebounding. Uh, and defense stocks pause big time. And we have a huge uh, um, internet meeting, we'll call it, uh, that's all going on WebEx on the staple stocks this week. So it'll be kind of interesting to see what happens. So, you know, if, if I look, I've got a lot of stocks that uh, are at two-week relative lows. And I've got a few that are starting to turn up. And healthcare seems to be uh, in in vogue again. Uh, now, this is the larger healthcare stocks. So it'll be interesting to see if the, the uh, uh, smaller names start to pick up with it. But I've been noticing that there's a lot more insider buys in that area than there has been in probably any particular place that I know. So... Um, you know, look, if I look at the S&P 500, the daily momentum is becoming very, very oversold. The weekly momentum is still a little bit on the upside. So we've got to find out what's going on there. But, you know, the S&P has been meandering sideways. And depending on how you look at it, I mean, if you look at the daily chart, uh, you can make a case that you're getting close to the, the bottom of the trend. If you look at the weekly chart, you might have a ways to go. OK, so it, it, it's all, you know. Everyone's, you know, thinking, oh, it's it's over, it's over. I don't know if it's over. I'm just telling you that the interest rates have not gone down. You know, people were saying, oh, they peaked. They got a lot of resistance between 170 and, you know, 2.1 percent. You know, like I said, if it broke 175, it's probably going to 2.1 percent. But it stopped. It didn't go down. So the yields are basing. And. So I think what you have to look for is a break below 147 on the 10-year yield and a break above 170 uh, on the 10-year yield. So you break 147, yields are probably going back down. You break 170, you're off to the races. Now, I think, look, Barron says a great article this week, and, and it's about uh, a shortage of everything. And that's because we were locked down for a year, okay? So it's one of those things where I think you have to uh, be thinking, you know, how long will that last? Once we get full production going, how long will that last? And that's a billion-dollar question at this point, all right? Now, look, one question uh, investors have been asking is whether gold is tracking, you know, where it was in 2011, 2012, when it temporarily bounced only to collapse. And I don't know about that, but I, uh, we do have a situation where the monthly momentum is kind of overbought and gold relative to copper is still, you know, not breaking out. Okay. So gold usually leads the way it did. It trounced copper for two years there. And then the Bitcoin thing took off and, uh, you know, Bitcoin's in a bit of a correction. I think Ethernet went down 50% over the weekend last weekend. Uh, so if, if you want volatility, that's a good place to go, I guess. But, um, you know, 
if, if you look, it would suggest inflation is still a problem out there for now. We'll see what happens later. But uh, gold does look like, uh, you know, the weekly momentum is starting to turn up. So, uh, you know, monthly and weekly sometimes uh, go. But we'd like to see the relative performance versus copper turn up. If that happens, I think you gold bulb bugs out there are going to have some fun. All right, let's uh, stay tuned. We'll be right back. Remember, it's live show, uh, 216-901-0945. We'll be right back. Okay. Little cream kernel revival just started here. Hey, as of Thursday, the Dow Jones Industrials is 125 years old. And uh, by the way, there's no original members. GE was the last of them. Uh, there's only two two companies still left on the planet <laughs> that were there to begin with. Uh, also, I, I I didn't mention uh, gold. I wanted to mention it on a point and figure chart. Gold broke its downtrend line this week. So uh, that's kind of, kind of important. But we do have John on the line. John, how are you? Hey, Tim. Thanks so much. I really appreciate your show and always uh, find it very interesting. Um, you know, in your last segment, you were talking about the solar and the, the growth. You know, it's interesting because I was about, in the last couple of weeks, I've just checked the RSIs on some of these stocks, whether it's the solar, okay. even, you know, the so graphics, everybody knows RSI. John, John What's that? so everybody knows what RSI is. Uh, why don't you mention what that is? Oh, uh, just relative, relative strength, strength on this. Yes, yes. Yeah. Okay. And All right. So I was checking the the RSI's on on a lot of these stocks on the solar and you know the growth of the whatever the you know the Kathy Wood names you know DraftKings hit a, a twenty RSI which is they just seem so oversold and you mentioned how you're seeing money going back in. Do you you know first off is it is there seasonality there? Is it rotation? Is it crypto money coming in? And do you see this lasting? How long do you see it lasting? What are your, you know, what, what do you see in this? Is this like a weekly, one week or two week or three week? Well, look, what happened basically is uh, the retail investors stopped investing for a while. I'm not sure why. I, I, I don't know what the problem was. They've been reading about inflation, maybe. I don't know. Or they went to Bitcoin. And so they pulled their money, and that was what's sending these things up. Uh, you know, the market makers were taking advantage of people, I think. But um, so that came down. And then the professionals came in and started buying the epicenter stock that I've been talking about for nine months. Yeah. And they pushed them up. Okay. So, uh, look, I don't, I don't think solar is going away. I don't think electric vehicles are going away. They got frothy. They've taken the froth out of them. And, you know, the old adage is buy low, sell high. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but I think, you know, when you have corrections of 50 and 60% in a couple of months, you know, you don't have to be the first one in, John. Just let them base yeah. a little bit. Okay? So that's my humble opinion. Are you seeing them basing? It seems like some of the patterns have, have been developing pretty well. Like some of them. Or even they're over there. I mean, I've, I've seen some have made it past their 50-day moving averages, which is pretty surprising. I, I mean, I mentioned it last week. I mentioned it this uh, mentioned earlier this week. A lot of the tech stocks have got creamed. Uh, I mean, look, I'm telling you, you know, we're not going away from any kind of uh, security software. 
if anything, everybody's going to be spending a lot more money on security software and digitalization software. Uh, you know, it's it's happening and it's it ain't going away. So yeah, you it's, know, it's, one it's, other quick question. You know, this is it is not necessarily market specific. I don't know if you noticed, but you know, it's always like you know, you look at these. There's the Russell, the Nasdaq, the obviously the Dow Jones, the S and P, but then there's also the Arc stocks, which are almost provided a different, you know, a really tell what the market was really doing under the surface in a lot of ways. Do you, what was why, how would you explain what was all the the negativity toward Kathy Wood? I mean, because you look on CNBC, it's like every hour there was some bashing, you know. Well, look, when you're a hero and, you know, they failed to mention that her portfolio went up 140% last year. Uh, several of them did. So when you're a hero, you're a hero. You know, I mean, Kramer's the worst. <laughs> One day you're a hero. I know. Next day you're on a wall of shame. So, you know, it. look, Kathy Woods, I've met her. She's a very smart lady. I met her back in, in a, a technology show a long time ago. She's a very smart lady. She was a very smart lady back then, and she's still a smart lady. But investment themes go in and out of favor and they go out of favor a lot faster than they become back in favor. Yeah. But she's in the right stocks. I mean, she's in the right stocks. I'll just say that. Uh, I mean, it, just, like, it seems like the sentiment, the sentiment is so like, I, literally I got Tesla like on the day that there was a short seller, you know, that the big short guy got in and it was like yeah. literally every hour on CNBC, they were bashing Tesla. I was like, well, this is the, the as good a contrary indicator as possible, you know? Maybe. <laughs> Short sellers sharpen their pencil, John. So, hey, listen, have a yeah, great Memorial Day weekend. Yeah, and we'll talk soon, I guess. Okay? Great. Thank you so much. Really appreciate your show. It was really great. Be well. Anyway, so let's talk about the bullish percent. The bullish percent uh, was designed by Ernie Staby, who was a protege of Charles Dow, as I say every week. And what he wanted to do is be bullish at the bottom and bearish at the top. And uh, so what he does is just chart from zero to 100. It's a point and figure chart. And, you know, on a point and figure scale, what he's looking for is a column of X's means you have the offensive team on the field. A column of O's, you have the defensive team on the field. Trust me, things go down faster than they go up. <laughs> I've been doing this too long not to understand that. If you don't understand it, you shouldn't be managing your own money. Then we have two other goals, 70. Or two other things. 70 is when things are red hot. We were just there. 30 is when things are ice cold. Okay? And, I mean, that, that's, the, that's in the barbecue situation where I'm not even invited to the barbecue party. Okay? Now I'm invited to a couple of barbecue parties. <laughs> we're probably topping out. Anyway, we're at 67. We were up a whopping 0.1%. Uh, we're in a column of O's. The over-the-counter index was up three and a half to 51. Uh, it would reverse back up at 52, by the way. So it's very close. It's still in a column of O's, though. And uh, the world index is in a column of O's. Uh, I'm starting to see some fundamental reasons to go in there now. And I ha you remember I have not talked about, except for the EEM, when I was right for a while there. Uh, but, you know, you're looking at a scenario where, uh, and by the way, our friends at Dorsey Wright uh, provide us with what not only the bullish percent, but the dynamic asset level investing. And I think that's kind of important because, look, one of the things, uh, you know, I talked about back in 2007 was I said at the end of the year and the beginning of 2008 for the first four months that the money market would outperform the stock market. And that's because the money market was the number one on their scale of dynamic asset level investing in relative strength. 
for John, just our last phone call. And U.S. equities were dead last. International equities were just a hair above them. So through this whole thing, people said, Tim, why are you so bullish? And it's because domestic equities, even through last spring, were the number one asset class. Number one. Okay. So that's a good thing. And uh, what I've been seeing lately is that, you know, the Dow's had some negative momentum, but their individual stocks like Salesforce.com was a big Friday. It was 65% of the gain in the Dow Jones. Okay. So you're having one or two stocks making the, uh, the stocks go up. And remember, it's market capitalization, but it's also the price. You know, so Apple's the biggest in market capitalization, but uh, HCA has a higher price. So if HCA goes up 10 bucks, it's important. So Salesforce is a $200 stock. So it was very important to the Dow. So the Dow's been negative. But what's really bothering me is that the momentum on the mid caps and the small caps have been negative for the mid caps seven weeks and the small caps for 11 weeks. That's a long time in the stock market. So it'd be interesting to see if the small caps start to come back. And by the way, they've held. They've held their support, so that's important. The the QQQs, uh, the SPY, which is Standard Poor's 500, and the XLGs, which are the big names, have all been negative for a couple of weeks. In the meantime, the S&P broke out Friday. So it broke a double top at 420, uh, which is interesting, simply because of the fact that uh, it was about four stocks that, that sent it up. Uh, so you're having individual stocks become, uh, you know, more important than the entire index because of capitalization. So that's something you got to think of. By the way, I I had a text message uh, from someone, and they said, you know who the two stocks that were in the Dow? Yes, it was General Electric and uh, Lacita Gas, uh, which is still active, by the way, I think. Um, LG, I believe, is symbol, and uh, but neither are in the Dow anymore. So um, anyway. The, the, you know the Dow. If you look, the, the fund score is three twenty five, so a uh, three twenty nine. So the Dow Jones has been actually leading the S and P and the XLG and all the rest of them. But what's interesting is we only have six groups, only six groups that are favored. All right. So I'll start with the most uh, overbought, and that's the banks. They're in the eighty four percent range. That's a lot. Savings and loans were down big last week. They were at 76. Insurance were at 70. Those are all financials. <laughs> then textiles are at 60. Steel and building materials are at 54. All right. And then we have just two groups below 30, and they're drugs and biotech. Uh, like I said earlier in the show, healthcare is the cheapest I've ever seen it. Uh, it'd be interesting to see if they start to be leadership because uh, they've been non leadership for so long. We, we did have waste management move up from the, the unfavored to just average. And forest and paper products, which was most favored, went to average. And restaurants went to unfavored this week. So uh, a lot of stuff going on. And international equities, uh, I looked at several of the Netherlands charts. Uh, and one broke a triple top. It's a beautiful chart. And the, a couple other ones look really, really good, too. So I don't know what's going, going on in the Netherlands, but uh, something positive is. I think, it, you know, look, that's, by the way, the Netherlands, just so you know, there's one stock, ASML Holdings, that's like 23% of, of most of those funds. So now, the, the 10-year Treasury uh, has been just going sideways, okay? So no, no, bull, no bull, no bear right now. Uh, but 
It's not going down. Remember that. It's made a big move now. And it's not going down. Now, the other thing is the the uh, what we call the 10-year spread, the CBUS 10-year spread, which is the spread between high-yield corporate bonds and U.S. Treasuries. It gave a buy signal this week. And, you know, that's something that uh, high-yield spreads have declined almost continuously since last year. And when you get a buy signal like that, uh, you know, you want to be, you know, looking over your shoulder if you've got the high yield area. You just want to be careful, okay? Um, you know, look, in the bond area, the inflation-protected securities look best, okay? And then as far as uh, relative strength buy signals, you know, this is where we look at things and we say, you know, what, what's everybody buying? You know, you follow the money. Cincinnati Financial, GameStop. H&R Block, Northern Oil and Gas, Tenneco, PDS Biotech, uh, and Roblox, and Northern Genesis Acquisition. For those, I got a couple calls on that. Okay, let's take a break, and we'll be right back with uh, some insider buying. Stay tuned. Okay, we're back on this gloomy uh, Memorial Day. It's cold and gloomy Memorial Day. Uh, and we always talk about insiders on our show. And the reason we do is because insiders know their companies better than we do. It's simple. Just remember, we're looking for large insider buys, okay? We're also looking – uh, we're also trying to remember that they're usually early, although sometimes they're right on time. You never know. Uh, but most of the time they're early. I would say a good 70% of them. And just to know that – Insiders are as right as most analysts and more, all right? Even the great analysts, uh, they are right as much as they are. So, you know, they're smart people is what it comes down to. And I I had a couple small cap ideas. Uh, Accelerated diagnostics. Uh, I noticed uh, there was a gentleman by the name of Schuler. He used to be the CEO of Abbott Laboratories, very smart guy. Bought 30,000 shares, but he owns 17 million. I always like to see that. And then we had uh, the CEO bought 54000 uh, on – this is on just a couple of weeks ago, uh, just last week, I'm sorry. And the CFO bought uh, about 20, 22000 and a VP bought uh, 17000 So you had quite a few people involved uh, buying. And then about a week later, uh, the CEO bought another 3,000 shares. So three insiders bought on May 19th, too. So that, that's an interesting one. And uh, La Jolla Pharmaceuticals, uh, Jerry Tang, who's been a very smart man, made a lot of money in the biotech area, uh, bought uh, 398,000 uh, shares, which turns out to be $9.8 million, and he owns a ton of it. Uh, I mean, uh, just a, like a whole bunch of it. <laughs> uh, I think he's up to 29%. Uh, he owns 9 million or 10 million shares total, I think. Um, also, Immunicore, uh, there was five buyers to the tune of about 1.6%. And then Open Door, which was a SPAC that came public, one of the directors bought $1.9 million worth. All right. Uh, so here's some other ones. And there's some big buys. You know, it, it's kind of interesting. Bullish percent's kind of shaky at this point. It's, you know, 67th column of lows. You know, you're kind of looking over your shoulder, but insider buying is heavy. All right. And uh, here's one franchise group 
where the chief executive officer, you always like to see that, is a guy named Brian Kahn. He bought a million shares at 36. You like to see that. Uh, Peloton, TCVIX Cycle LPD. I'm not sure who they are, but I think they're part of the company. But 17 million, then they bought uh, another 14 million, and then they bought uh, they bought to the tune of about 20, 30 million dollars. I mean, of uh, 32 million dollars. So you like to see that too. That's uh, especially when it's down. And then I got several emails from clients about uh, Selecta Biosciences, and Tim Springer bought a bunch of this. He bought about eight million dollars worth, and then uh, he bought uh, another 1.9 million dollars worth. And then he bought another $1.3 million worth. But he also bought Morphic Holdings, which is another biotechnology company, which he bought $10 million of. Um, and then he bought, uh, so he actually bought more of this, $3 million of, and then he bought another $1.8 million of it. So he's very active. And I would suggest that uh, Mr. Springer, you should Look him up because I think he's a pretty smart guy in Tim Hayes' personal opinion. Uh, now, we also have uh, Penny Mac Financial. You know, these guys were big buyers a week ago, and they're still back at it. We have two, three, one, two, three, four, five directors buying about, you know, between five and seven million dollars worth. So something's gone with uh, with uh, Penny Mac Financial. The, the stock pulled back, and they're, they're buying it like it's uh, there's no tomorrow. And Steve Luxo, who's been a director at AT&T for a while, bought 100,000 shares of $2.8 million after it got beat up because they cut their dividend. And here's another one, 8.9Bio, uh, which we have a report on. Uh, it, it was from 20 down to, uh, or 29 down to 18.50. And RA Capital Management, which is pretty smart money, goes out and buys uh, $2.3 million worth. And then we have uh, Cleany, which is a biotech company, too. And David Martin, or Matlin, I'm sorry, uh, who's a very smart guy, you should look him up. He's a $1.9 million uh, buyer. And then we had Rain Therapeutics, which was a fairly new issue. And after it went public, uh, when the stock was 15, uh, we had uh, BVF Partners go out and buy $1.9 million worth. And then uh, they actually bought a little bit more uh, about three or four days later, too. So... And then we had Philip Frost, who's been buying in uh, Opco uh, for years. And, uh, you know, he was right the first time around, then they beat him up. But he keeps buying, and he's not a dumb man. I mean, he sold the company to Tiva, and he sold Tiva right at the peak. Uh, so I've always got out of Tiva. He was, a, he was on the board. And, uh, but his two companies that he, he sold uh, made un- unbelievable gains for people. So, um, you know, you, you want to take close attention to that. I also noticed uh, a couple more. Uh, Forum Energy. I haven't seen too many energy companies lately, but John Carrig, who's a director, bought at $1.1 million. Uh, so that you like to see. And Jacobs Engineering, which is interesting because the guy bought at a new high. And uh, he's the CEO. I mean, I'm sorry. He's a, he's a director. So we have quite a few there. And then ARA Sciences Acquisition. This is a SPAC. People have been asking me about these. Uh, we had Perceptive Advisors, which is very smart money, by $1.6 million. And then uh, Butterfly Networks, which is a really interesting company. Uh, believe me, I had, uh, you know, I, I had some people talk to me about this thing. 
it's really interesting what they're doing. They're, they're allowing you to take a look at someone's knee or their elbow in the doctor's office without having to go to get an x-ray. I get it. You know, so it's, it's very interesting stuff. Uh, one of the directors bought 1.2 million. Now here's the one I think is very interesting. Silver Lake group. And if you don't know who they are, they're pretty smart money was buying good RX. They bought 1.8 million. Uh, then they, they bought 500,000 the way, you know, they, they've made several purchases in good RX in the last uh, two weeks, the tune of, uh, you know, Six seven million dollars worth of stock, and uh, they're very bright people. So um, here we are. It's <laughs> it's uh, Memorial Day. What do we do? Okay. Now remember, sometimes holidays change trends. Let me say that again. Holidays change trends. You know, you have Halloween. The market usually turns up. You have Christmas, the lull before Christmas. You hit Christmas, the market turns up. Okay, so this is this goes on and on, and I don't know if it's the mood of the the people, but holidays sometimes change trends. Okay, and by the way, this works about sixty seventy percent of the time. So the the trend has been up. So it'll be interesting to see how we do over the next month or two. But we what we're in right now is uh, an established uptrend. All right. So I don't see anything that, you know, is telling me that, you know, we we got to, uh, you know, jump out and uh, run for cover or anything like that. But look, I, I think, you know, we have to take a look at a couple of things. We we have the S&P 500 um, is breaking out based on several stocks, not all of them, but several stocks. And so it's a way to think about, you know, technical analysis is their rumple strips, you know, that alert the drivers when they begin to stray out of their lane. So that's what technical analysis serves the same purpose. It alerts us when the markets are beginning to change lanes or even direction, which is always important to pay attention to after um, similar moves in 2020 and 2021. So look, we've corrected a little bit. I think we got a hold. And I, like I said, that, that 38, uh, 39.83 area is a very important support area. Uh, people say, well, that's, you know, three, 200 points away. Well, you know, 200 points can go away pretty quickly if, if uh, things start to change a little bit. Okay. So we do have the daily momentum oversold and that's something to remember. And I also think in interest rates, remember the 10 year yield stopped going up, but it ain't going down. <laughs> right. So pay attention there because the 10 year yield goes up. I think we got a problem in our hands. Right. Uh, and also we look at gold and the question is, is, is this a pattern like, you know, 2007 or 2009, 2011 when gold looked like it was breaking out and then died? Uh, or is it a pattern like 1965, which suggests that inflation worries are growing? Okay. Right now, you know, we've broken out of the base that dated back to 2011, and uh, we're turning up, and, and we just broke the downtrend line. So now we're okay, but gold's very over overbought. In the meantime, what would I do? Look, we've got a lot of stuff that you can get. get. Uh, we have a business owner's guide to transition planning. So if you're looking to sell your business, believe me, private equity uh, is trying to get your business cheap. There's there's other ways to sell your business uh for more money, trust me, we have some people that do that for you. 
Uh, the Savvy Investors uh, Credit Workbook. Interest rates are low. You should be taking advantage of them if you want to use leverage. Women and Wealth, a planning guide. Also, money matters for the young professionals out there. Don't forget, ADRs. We just we just upgraded our, our thought process on ADRs, and we've been very quiet about the international markets for a long, long time. And now we're starting to see some money starting to flow into the big, large capitalization ADRs. Uh, look, we got Elliott Management at Glaxo. They're activists, okay? Glaxo has a big dividend. So you're starting to see money flow over there, and uh, we'll see what happens. Also, our top ideas, whether they're small cap, large cap, or multi-cap, highly recommended. Our dividend growth portfolio, boy, dividend growth is really, really rocking. Our prime income list, all right? And don't forget, if you go to WHK 1420 AM, go to local podcast down to you go right directly to my webpage. Can contact me. Don't forget, Rob Schleimer, Trend and Cycle is now on my webpage. Okay, so take a look. Make a, uh, make sure you look at uh, our insight page. In the meantime, it's Memorial Day weekend. Remember our fallen brothers and sisters. That's all I got to say. Uh, buy low, sell high. This is Tim Hayes. Thanks for listening to the Smart Investor Hour. To reach Tim during the week, call him toll-free, 888-223-7742. That's 888-223-7742. Or visit his website, rbcwmfa.com slash Tim Hayes. That's all one word in the address bar, rbcwfma.com slash Tim Hayes. Please join us again next Saturday for the Smart Investor Hour to hear more smart investing from Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management.